Welcome, everyone, to the next NACMA podcast. My name is Andy Rowden, and I am the Deputy Athletic Director at Eastern Michigan University, and I'm joined today by an outstanding co-host. I'm Megan McLeod. I am the Senior Associate AD for Brand Advancement at Illinois State University. And for some reason, NACMA has handed Megan and I the keys to the podcast. So as members of NACMA's Fan Development Committee, we're going to talk about building off your blowout games and how to maintain momentum after hosting big crowds. And to do that, we actually went out and found three superstars in our industry that we're going to talk to. They've all hosted big games this year um, and just discuss what they did, how they planned and, and how they continue the momentum afterwards. So uh, our three superstars are Kelsey Lavadier, who's the Associate Athletic Director for Marketing and Multimedia at Iowa. Tim Doyle, who's the Associate Athletic Director for Marketing and Fan Engagement at Ohio University. And Ali Pop, who's the Assistant Director of Marketing at Arkansas. All right. So since I'm I'm in the Mac and I'm a Mac guy. We're going to talk to my Mac counterpart first. So Tim Doyle with Ohio. So I'll shoot with the first question. So Tim, as a member of the group of five, uh, how did your marketing team prepare for Iowa State coming into play inside of Peden Stadium, uh, knowing that the game will probably attract fans you don't typically have at your home games? Yeah, so for us, it was uh, a little bit of a time crunch because we had a turnover in our marketing uh, team. So my first day on the job was... Friday, September 1st, uh, our first home game was September 2nd, and the Iowa State game was September 16th. So it was jumping straight into things. Um, and, you know, I just kind of leaned on what, you know, I kind of excelled at in my previous role, um, which was digital marketing. So I was pretty well versed in Eloqua and the um, relationship between Eloqua and Packy Olin. And so really just kind of dove straight into our email and digital marketing uh, to look at people who had previously attended games, try and send the right message. Um, it was a little bit of uh, trial and error just as you figure out a new fan base. But what, you know, I kind of quickly um, realized is that, you know, our fans are late buyers. And so it was about um, trying to move up their, their sales timeline of their purchase timeline. Um, a little bit about Athens, you know, we're about an hour and a half from Columbus, two and a half hours from hours from Cleveland, and we're actually closer to West Virginia University, about two and a half hours away. So um, you very intentionally have to come to Athens. And um, so, you know, I think that's where we focus and we focus instead of for that game, instead of focusing on our um, entry level price point, we really focused on our mid-level seats. Um to try and fill up those areas and kind of speak to that crowd. Cause some of the stuff that I had heard here is that being as um, remote as we are in some way, um, we do have a lot of donors and fans that travel from those other cities. And so, um, but they can't necessarily make every game. And so we really wanted to try and make sure we communicated those, um, those priority seats to them so that, um, you know, we weren't having big donors come down and, sit in the last row in the corner of our stadium sort of thing. Um, on email communication and then um, kind of segmenting those audiences to drive um, the right message to them at the right time. Awesome. So you get a big win in that game. And so what kind of strategies did your team employ to sort of maintain that momentum coming off that win? Yeah. So, you know, depending on how you look at it, we had a unique or, uh, opportune situation after the Iowa State game where um, we were away the next week and then on a bye. So, you know, we had two weeks at home uh, 
uh, without a game. And so that really gave us an opportunity to um, dive into that. And um, just in previous roles, I had kind of found that people don't immediately react to a win by going and buying more tickets. Um, I had kind of seen that in some of the other things that I had done. And so really we waited until the next week to kind of celebrate, you know, a big 12 win um, and really highlight that. And then really our, um, our big push was the following week during our bye week because um, fortunately our team worked with us and won on the road. And then uh, as they went into the, the bye week, um, we really focused on the concept of bringing fan demand and purchase timelines forward. Um, we had kind of seen over the years that much of our um, individual game purchases are uh, happening within 48 hours of kickoff. And so we just kind of worked to, to message some of that. Um, we have um, kind of a ticket surcharge for buying in person on game day. And so we worked kind of a ticket discount, which is, was effectively $5 off the online price, but $15 off the game day price and really use that during the bye week to help pull some of that demand forward. Um, and we, we were able to do that because I think that really helps then the following week, we can start working to drive some scarcity. And that's what we were able to do. Our mid-level seats were filling up. We were able to um, message that, you know, okay, we've only got a few seats left in, you know, this section of the stadium um, and try and really work to, to drive that, um, that scarcity message. And, um, you know, we were also lucky that, that our next game there was homecoming. So there was already going to be a high level of fan interest. Um, and some of the things that we, you know, um, just worked to communicate was what else is going on during, you know, the day or two leading into the homecoming game to just work to communicate that to fans and, um, really just try and make it, you know, kind of a full weekend and less about just the individual game. Um, Obviously, that's our goal is to get them in there, but um, really just highlighting all the things that they can do and really trying to pull on that nostalgia string. Um, and and everything kind of lined up and worked out because that next game, uh, we got down to only having about 1,000 tickets left uh, publicly available. Uh, by the time we got to kickoff, um, we increased our ticket revenue for homecoming by 44% over the prior year, um, and it was our highest uh, attended game uh, since we've been on Pacquiao dating back to the 2016 season. Um, and so kind of all the, the stars aligned pretty well for us, um, even though it, it wasn't a great weather day. Um, I think that helped by us pulling some of that demand forward and kind of locking people into, you know, purchasing tickets, you know, it wasn't a bad weather day. It just might not have motivated people to go to a, a game and buy a ticket that day. And so really working to pull that demand forward, I think helped us uh, get, get that close um, by the time the game started. That's awesome. No, I love the idea of you're talking about driving scarcity of tickets and, you know, really pushing that message out. So I guess as you're doing that, you'd mentioned Eloqua earlier, but what are some of the tools you use to really, uh, to drive home that message of scarcity, remind people, and then also the, the fun of homecoming? Yeah. So, you know, I think that's one thing that a lot of places can do better on is working with campus counterparts to highlight some of their events that um, might not necessarily be athletically focused, but they are homecoming related. And 
you know, people remember those events from their time in college. And so um, working to really highlight those events and kind of stack up the schedule so people can kind of, we, we can kind of plan out their day for them, you know, parking lots open at this time, the homecoming parades at this time, you know, the family tailgate is at this time. Uh, we recommend that you start going to the stadium by this time and just, um, you know, really pushing that. Um, as you said, we, we did primarily rely on our email marketing and pricing power to, um, to do that. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things um, in using Eloqua is really making sure that we're segmenting our audience as much as we can using all the data that's in there. There's a ton of great information. And, you know, I think it's just um, really trying to work smarter um, with some of that. And, um, you know, I think that that helped us overall, you know, just kind of building different audiences of people that have attended homecoming in the past, people that had season tickets in the past and, um, you know, just kind of really working to, to push on those people. Awesome. So what lessons have you learned uh, from this experience that'll sort of help you through not only the rest of the season, but kind of moving forward? Yeah. So, you know, that's definitely been a, a point of conversation that we've had um, here at Ohio because uh, we do have some big non-conference games coming up. We have West Virginia coming to our stadium, um, I think in two years. And so um, that's a big one because obviously they're another big 12 opponent, um, but proximity wise, um, you know, as I said before, they're about two and a half hours away. So um, we do expect a, a large contingent of fans there. And I think that's, will be able to help us drive that scarcity message. Um, and then in addition to that, we also host uh, Marshall uh, a few years after that, which um, they're about a 90 minute drive away. So again, not necessarily a, a power five team, but um, still kind of an old rivalry uh, that our fans enjoy. And again, proximity will help us there. So some of the things that we've looked at is our overall game day experience. There's a lot of things that we can't control. Uh, our facility was built in 1929. So we have a lot of the problems that exist with something like that, such as narrow concourses, small concession areas, um, you know, not a, an abundance of premium seating. And so, you know, those are, those are problems and just working to find the solutions to that. So, um, you know, working to, spread out what our game day footprint is. So we um, have created kind of a the one corner of our stadium that has been underutilized. We started putting food trucks there to try and, you know, move some of the, the vendor and concession demand to other areas of the stadium. Um, we're building a few more premium options, and um, that's something that we're going to continue to explore is how do we create more of those premium experiences because, you know, I think that's that's ultimately what fans are kind of going after is not just – attending the game, but having a really good time and having an elevated experience. Cause, um, and so operationally, I think we've really worked at trying to, uh, you know, improve this year and then down the line of just being honest with our fans, you know, communicate um, expectations in terms of, you know, getting into the parking lots at this specific time, it's going to be hard. So you can plan to come in that time or, um, you can try and avoid it. Uh, you know, same thing with gate entry. Um, I think just being proactive and telling our fans and being honest um, where our pain points are while we work to um, better those pain points and make them less painful. Um, but I think, you know, also just being, um, you know, honest with that, uh, with our fans, working out on our, uh, spreading out our ticket price levels because we kind of have um, 
an entry level season ticket price. And then, um, you know, it, it's a little bit more elevated from there. And so just trying to create a little bit more of a ladder for our uh, ticket buyers so that we can work to uh, upgrade them as we upgrade other people to um, some of the premium seats. Um, you know, and I think, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, as I said earlier is, you know, look at where there's opportunities to segment the audience for ticket discounts. You know, I know people might not necessarily be super thrilled with the idea of discounting tickets, um, but I think if you can discount a $30 ticket by $5 and that's enough to move the needle for someone, I think that's, you know, a well um, worth it plan. And, you know, just being strategic with that, you know, those probably aren't your best seats. They might be moving your tail end of your seats, um, trying to find, you know, specific moments um, that you can justify doing it. So you're not just dropping a, a ticket discount, but, you know, it makes sense to do it. So, um, and so, you know, then the moment you start selling out of those specific areas, so you say, okay, you know, we've got suites, we're sold out. We've got club tickets, we're sold out. That helps motivate people to move up their purchase timeline to, um, you know, really just kind of think, okay, I better act on this if I actually want to attend that game or attend multiple games. Um, and then ultimately continuously look to improve our, our game day experience. You know, I think ultimately what we're competing with is people, you know, sitting at home on a recliner being 10 feet away from the bathroom and, you know, their refrigerator. And so we have to, you know, work to continue to make game day different um, and a unique experience that you can't get otherwise because all, all these games are broadcast everywhere. So um, it's really about, you know, trying to um, make it a special and memorable experience. And so, you know, finding those opportunities that make just game day unique and leaning into those. And that's what we do with Maction, right? So unique game day experiences. Uh, but Tim, appreciate you taking the time and giving us your thoughts on uh, what was a great win for, for you and for the Mac um, over Iowa State. And, uh, thanks for taking the time to, to jump on with us and talk and uh, give us your insights, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate your guys' time as well. All right, we're going to move to our next guest now, Allie Pop with Arkansas. And Allie, you work with the volleyball program in Arkansas. Uh, and knowing there's obviously a lot of high-quality volleyball played in the SEC, and Arkansas is also a very good team in its own right. Uh, but you had a really unique experience this year as you had the top-ranked team in the country coming to Barnhill Arena to play, um, and they're not part of the SEC. So talk to us a little bit about how you and your team prepared for this really unique opportunity. Yeah, of course. Uh, we are very lucky given how much uh, buzz we kind of had off of volleyball from last year. Um, we had made it to the NCAA tournament, got into the second round. We played at Oregon. Um, so we had a history of our team starting to get up from a little bit of a history of not doing as well. Um, so our coach really loaded up our non-conference schedule. He had us playing a lot of Big Ten teams. So we were playing um, Michigan, Michigan State, and then we hosted Wisconsin two nights in a row, a Wednesday and Thursday night. Um, so ultimately looking at it, you're thinking, yeah, you're hosting number one Wisconsin, but you're hosting at seven o'clock on a Wednesday, Thursday, not a weekend, not the most ideal, but you got to figure out how to get people in the seats. Um, so what we really capitalized was our grassroots marketing. So we we're really out on campus. We had all of our athletes uh, trying to get students and be like, hey, come out to Barnhill. Uh, it's going to be a great time. We're playing against number one. And when you say number one to anyone, they're like, what? Even if they know nothing about volleyball, 
never been in Barnhill before, they're like, oh, I have to go see the number one team in the country of a sport maybe I've never fully focused on before. Um, so that was a real great benefit for us because not only were we able to capitalize our own program, but having number one was like, hey, let's just give it a shot. So you're just getting people in the door. So once we get people in the door, we're able to show them what our, our game day experience is, how our team is, kind of our personality. Um, so it gave us kind of that wide open door to kind of show what our program has um, potential in. Um, so that was really nice. Um, like I said, having other Big Ten schools also helped. Um, Wisconsin helped us get our number one program attendance record. Um, so we beat it, I think, over 1,500 over our original um, number one highest attended, which was held back in 2012, I think. Uh, I think it was against Florida, so it was an SEC match. Um, but even then, great buzz. We had the highest ever student attendance. We had over a thousand students come out to our match. Um, but talking about that, it was a lot of our being out on campus. It was getting billboards out. It was putting stuff in newspapers. Um, we did give away a lot of free tickets um, just to get some buzz around, hey, just come out. Um, we had just opened up the largest outdoor sports bar um, in our football facility. Um, and it was a night or two right before Wisconsin. So I had 500 tickets and I just went and talked to everyone. It was like, hey, do you know what's happening in Barnhill on so-and-so day? We're playing number one Wisconsin. And you just turn people's heads and see their attention. And you're like, do you want tickets? I have them right here. So a lot of it was just trying to get exposure, just trying to get the word out there and just get people to take a little bit of time out of their day to come come watch us play. So. so then, Allie, after those matches are over, um, what do you sort of do to kind of capitalize on that, you know, record crowd and uh, work to kind of get those fans back for additional matches? So a lot of it is our really great digital marketing plans that we have. We have a lot of email marketing. We have a lot of social media buzz. Um we have noticed um, our fans, hog fans are loyal fans no matter what. Um, they will they will go through a lot. They will call the hogs and it's one of the best experiences. Um, but you have to let them know what's happening. So I believe we have a really good um, system on how we let them know about accomplishments. Like we're letting them know they were part of the highest attended crowd. We're letting them know that we reached, we doubled our season tickets for that year. Um, we're posting on social media of crowd shots. We're making them feel like they are part of the program. And I think that's a real big benefit to our fans is the inclusivity, make them feel like they are making a difference. Um, and that's kind of like one of my favorite things about the hog call it is a moment where you can have hundred thousand, like tens of thousands of people all calling the hogs at the same time because they want to be included in the same moment. Um, so I think that's a lot on our social media team, uh, like I mentioned earlier, our digital marketing team, um, to just make fans feel like when I come, I'm home. Um, it's really nice that Barnhill Arena, um, we call it historic Barnhill Arena. Uh, it's where we used to play men's basketball and people would come in energy. In the last couple of matches we've had, we've had people be like, we're so happy to have the energy back in Barnhill again. Um, so I guess it kind of goes into um, the fan experience. Um, 
I've had some really unique giveaways this past year um, that I feel like fans have, they haven't had that experience for volleyball prior to me coming here. It was very much come play, come watch volleyball and then go home. Um, I've added more interactive things with our spirit squad. I've added more um, shout outs. We have really focused on our group sales marketing. Um, we've had about 10 to 12 groups almost every single match uh, this season. So really shout out to our group sales team um, for reaching out to all those youth teams in the area um, and even like local churches and things like that just to get people in the building. Um, so it takes obviously a group effort, um, but it's just a lot of outreach and convincing people that they're going to have a great time. So. No, that's perfect. I love the, you said, you know, when I come to a game, I'm home. Like that's a, such a, a great emotional connection you're building with people and, and talking about that and how it leads to groups and things. But as you're doing all of that, what tools are most useful for you guys to get fans to feel this emotional connection and want to come back or want to bring a group with them? I, I think a lot of it comes down to a personality of our athletes. Um, they're always willing to interact with hog fans. Um, we do autograph signings on Sunday matches. There, our coach is really involved. Um, if there's like a giant like youth team that comes, he always brings them on the court to take a picture with him. He's always interacting with the fans. So I think there's a really close that if I go to a game, I can meet the head coach. I can meet our star player, Jill. Like I like you have that personal connection with them where it doesn't feel like they're too distant. So I think that's also where our grassroots marketing helps a lot when we're out on campus um, because you're just they're just normal people that get to play on one of the biggest stages and be in top 10 ranked teams. Um, so I think of a lot of it is storytelling. Um, the more we can tell our story and have a good story to tell, the more people are invested. Um, so as long as we can stay on that story and keep telling more parts to it, add more to it, um, uh, I think that's when people will be more invested and want to purchase tickets and want to come see what we're doing. Um, just because we're really good at showing it on social media or in other forms. So Allie, what lessons have you learned from this experience that will sort of help you capitalize moving forward in the future? I think one of the biggest lessons I learned um, from the beginning, um, starting in Arkansas, is this being my first season with the team, um, the area really isn't um, super into volleyball. Like the state of Arkansas, it isn't one of their biggest sports. Most people play basketball or football. Um, volleyball is kind of on the lower totem pole. There isn't a lot of our high schools or local youth teams that play the game. Um, so that's a little bit of challenge in itself because not people know the game of volleyball. So part of it for me was I needed to learn more about the sport myself and teach other people about it. Um, so I think one of the biggest lessons I learned from that was every day can be someone's first game. So you have to do things that make people that may have never seen a volleyball game before or know none of our players. How do you make their experience make them want to learn more, make them want to come to more games. Um, so I think a lot of that is just the friendly atmosphere um, or kind of our marketing table, having the staff that if people want to ask questions, they can. Um, we kind of educate our fans a little bit. We've had some stuff where it's like, oh, what is an ace? Like, what is a block? So we're like teaching our fans along with also letting them 
embrace what the sport is. And I think that's helped a lot. Um, and I think it's something that we can keep moving forward with. I think we just need to keep educating the state, the local fans, the hog fans. Hey, volleyball is cool. Why, like, why aren't you coming? What can I do to help you? What can make you from go from a football game to a volleyball game? Um, so I think a lot of it is part of me just learning different ways and how to teach and tell that story, like I mentioned earlier, um, to an audience that may not know the story. That's awesome. So Ali, thank you so much. A lot of great, a lot of great nuggets and insight in there that I scribbling things down for my own notes. Um, but really appreciate you taking the time to jump on and, and talk with us today um, as part of the podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right. As we continue to explore how schools build off their biggest games, I'd like to welcome Kelsey Lavadier, the Associate AD for Marketing and Multimedia with Iowa Athletics. Um, and in case you hadn't heard this past October, Iowa took basketball to new heights by bringing over 55,000 fans into Kinnick Stadium for an outdoor exhibition women's basketball game. So first, Kelsey, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. So Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate the time and look forward to chatting with you. Absolutely. So, well, we look forward to picking your brain and learning some things today. So uh, thank you again. But so this was an incredible event and it really kind of continues to shape the narrative of how critical it is in investing in your women's teams and how you can capitalize off the momentum um, to not only continue to grow women's basketball, but grow all your women's sports. So what lessons did you learn from uh, from the game and, and how did this come to be? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, at Iowa, we've always kind of wanted to trailblaze in regards to women's athletics. Um, we are the home of Dr. Christine Grant, who led Title IX efforts. So it's all starting back there 50 years ago with her efforts. Um, most recently, we've launched a new um, women's wrestling program and investing a lot in that, have our first upcoming home duel. And then um, we've always tried to be creative and come up with new things. And I think that starts with um, a, a department and a staff that buys into trying new things. We're already busy. So the fact that um, we want to do something new and throw something else on everybody's plate is um, daunting at some schools, but uh, we all buy in. We're all excited to try new things and lead the way across the nation. Um, we have hosted a wrestling. We had the grapple on the gridiron event um, out at Kinnick Stadium and had broken the wrestling record, world record of it was, I think, close to 42,000 fans at our, our football stadium. And that record still stands, I believe. Um, I know wrestling wants to host another um, meet out at our football field again. So we had this history of pushing forward women's athletics and trying new elements on the football stadium, which can hold a larger capacity. And so our head coach, after our outstanding season last year, head coach Lisa Bluter in her 25th season, um, wanted to do an event where we could host more fans. Um, we were sold out of season tickets. We have waiting lists that are crazy. Um, so it, it just felt like the perfect timing to um, have a, a platform and a stage to put our women on that stage and kind of grow the game and um, draw that attention to women's athletics, how it, it deserves. That's fantastic. So that's, you talk about building the stage and having the platform. So uh First of all, kudos for, for trying it. And I love the fact that you also have done it with wrestling and then it's happened with, um, you know, other schools have tried it with other sports as well. But so when it came to really promoting the game, you know, what did you guys use to as your kind of marketing strategy for the event? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, you timing is really important and understanding, um, making sure that it's it's going to be a success. There's elements that you can control and there's elements you can't control. We couldn't control the weather. So we're going to do everything else we can to make the controllables as successful as possible. So we wanted to make the court look as good as it could possibly be. That was renting it. That was um, designing decals to make it a, a specific, exciting event um, with our digital advertising. Um, we started from the, the first step of creating a logo and we got a large sponsorship tied to it. So then now you've got the sponsors tied into it, the logo when we launched it. Um, we had our team and our student athletes being ones announcing it. We did some promo ads where they're out in the on, at the football stadium on the field, um, just drawing that attention they are the celebrities in our community and so we utilize them to kind of be the ones to to tell the fan base um our head coach has been so open to allowing our creative team our video staff to to get like exclusive content when we're um having team meetings or going over these logistics so since from day one she was going to give us um access to mic up her team um get the footage we need to, to kind of keep that excitement going. She came out to a football game in front of a sold out 70,000 fans and told everybody to come over to the crossover at Kinnick and invited them. Um, so it takes the, the creativeness of coming up with those ideas, but then also um, a coach that's willing to get out there and do things that will continue to garner attention. Um, we did a video series leading up to it. Um, at Iowa, the Hawkeye wave is so important to us. And so we knew immediately that we needed to have a kid captain and we found the most incredible little girl to be our kid captain. And so interweaving the hospital and how much the hospital means to our team and our department, um, knowing that the fundraiser, all the funds, which ended up being $250,000 to go back to the hospital, that was all looped into our messaging and our partnership um, with them. So it, it's a... Uh, Aside from your normal marketing efforts from digital ads and your website and email campaigns, uh, that was a lot of the other additional um, elements we included. That's incredible. I love the the element of giving back to the hospital and using it as, you know, since this is an exhibition, uh, exhibition game, using it to give back and, and that tie-in. So that's fantastic. So uh, you're coming off this event now and you, you've again had it's been incredible overwhelmingly successful um how have you used the momentum and the lessons you've learned from the game going into a basketball season where again there's a lot of hype for your team already how has it helped springboard you forward yeah i think um you know in the marketing world we all live it every day like you can always do more it's a 24 7 job where you know, you wish you could have captured something and posted it out or sent one more email or gone on campus and interacted with the students a little bit more. Um, with our with our women's team, like I said, we're, we're sold out of our season tickets. Um, it's incredible. We've never had that. They were sold out the moment they went on sale and we had a waiting list of thousands of people. Um, so it's just leveraging that excitement and making sure when they do come to our events that it's the, the best um, fan experience that they could possibly have. Um, this year we launched, we used to give away free shirts um, for our season ticket holders. And now we launched, you could get a long sleeve, short sleeve. We're basically giving you a season ticket holder box if you want to spend an extra $15. And instead of just giving them that gift, like we had our coach write a special letter saying, thank you. We truly appreciate what you do for our program. It's, it's to continue to 
to grow the relationship between our coaches, our student athletes, and our fan base, um, whether that's a special video message, whether that's um, a meet and greet, um, the demand for our team right now is so high that we've really shifted more to digital and video content to kind of um, bring our fan base closer to our, our staff. Uh, you know, we just need to make sure every single game we're doing everything we can to make it the best atmosphere possible for the student athletes and our fans. Um, it's a special moment. We've got Caitlin Clark, who is um, just a legend in herself, and um, we look forward to celebrating all her incredible accomplishments this year. And um, it is a team, and our head coach does a really good job of making every team member feel special. That's fantastic. No, I love I love the idea. Um, yeah, growing the relationship and doing that with your season ticket holders and your fans, as well as uh, really building you know, the best student athlete experience possible. And, and the way you guys are mixing it together is absolutely incredible. Um, so last question, and it's really not even one I told you to prepare for. Uh, what's the next outdoor event then for Iowa athletics? <laughs> oh, that's funny. You say that. I, I think even it's like the day we were, we were hosting the, the women's basketball game and the, our two wrestling coaches were giving me a hard time saying, are you going to call it? I won't say the name of the school, but one of our biggest rivals, um, they, they said they're ready to go and ready to bring it back outside over there. So that's where we're sitting with that. Um, Caitlin Clark has indicated if she comes back, she wants to do it again. And, you know, we'd probably do anything for her, her and the team because we, we just love working with them. Um, so I think those are the two that we're, we're looking at right now, but. So it's, next uh, fall, if it all comes together, we can expect to see like a basketball court and a wrestling mat all inside the stadium. And hey, just good idea. It goes around. <laughs> so that'll be. I think incredible. our facilities team would have to have some input on that, but yeah, that would be fun. Oh, everybody loves the facilities team. They always, they, they, they take care of uh, marketers and crazy ideas all the time. So, but. Can well, do it Kelsey, without them. <laughs> exactly. Right. So true. So true. Well, Kelsey, I appreciate you taking the time um, to jump on the podcast and best of luck with the season and looking forward to see what, what you come up with next. Thank you.